episode for you actually going to upload on a wednesday this week um so that'll be fun a little content for you a little preview obviously busy day tomorrow coming up for um the both of us uh creighton in town we got xavier and creighton tomorrow night in the cintas center back in the cintas center for majority of the student body for the first time since before break um and obviously back on the floor for uh you know my main man my partner in crime here graham griffith graham how you feeling uh going in tomorrow has the first week of classes um, welcome back. You know, great to look at your beautiful, you know, in-person face again. Um, what's going on in uh, in Graham's world? Uh, yeah, good to be back. Um, you know, after the relaxing break, kind of just sets in that you miss school and miss all your people and you know the the day to day grind. Um, first few days have been nice. You know, just seeing everyone, getting your feet wet. Um, but, I mean, how great of a welcome back tomorrow's going to be. Um, you know, it's not like first game back is like a road game, like a late, you know, Georgetown game. I mean, it's it's an anticipated game that, you know, we circled at the beginning of the year. Um, Cintas is going to be jumping from students to alumni. And everyone's going to be super excited. I mean, this is the highest that rank, Xavier's been ranked in a long time. Um, so it's going to be an unbelievable atmosphere and I think it's going to be a perfect like welcome back um, for everyone involved um, so we start off the new calendar year as number 12 team in the country love that um, some great takeaways and yeah I think we're all very excited we'll get to the rest of the Xavier coverage here in the Musketeer minute as the show goes on um, but let's get started right away I think the the biggest storyline and the biggest headline here in the in the sport right now has got to be Kentucky Wildcats, just about an hour, hour and a half south of us here in Lexington. We got some serious problems. Um, so most recently, um, in the line of um, issues for, for Kentucky basketball, uh, they lost tonight uh, as 20-point favorites at home to South Carolina. Um, this is coming after an absolute um, butt-whooping by Alabama over the weekend, 78-52 loss on the road there. Again, expected to lose that game, but not by that much, um, and that's coming on the heels as well um, of a, uh, another double-digit loss on the road at Mizzou. Um, you know, so, you know, you do get two wins there in the middle. Obviously, we're a very, very poor Louisville team, um, and then a, and a three-point win over a decent LSU team, but it, it's just interesting to see that you know, with players of this caliber, obviously, you know, very high star, you know, re- you know, heavily studied recruiting class, to see that 
Calipari has, you know, hasn't been able to put together something a little bit more, um, you know, special and uh, a little bit more higher octane, especially on the offensive end of the ball, um, you know, for, you know, with the players that he's got. So um, definitely interesting to see what has come so far from this season and really not a good win so far this year. I mean, they beat Michigan, like, and Michigan, I, I don't think is going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, so, yeah, I mean, outside of that, you know, not a lot of great wins. And now you got to go on the road to Tennessee on Saturday, who looks like they're just beating the brakes off of everybody. Um, so, yeah, I will be really interested to see um, kind of what the next few weeks have for Kentucky and Kentucky fans. Kentucky fans clearly are kind of held on Calipari, especially after, you know, haven't made it Final Four since 2015. Um, you know, had the, you know, when you lost in the national championship there. Uh, it's none other than the Wisconsin Badgers, Frank Kaminsky. Um, I think, if I remember that right, Priest, that was 15. Um, maybe that was 13. You're looking at me sideways. No, Wisconsin played Duke in the championship. Oh, that's right. Well, who, well did, they, did they beat him in the Final Four then? Because I know Kentucky was undefeated the year that Wisconsin won the national title. So, I don't know. Either way. Point being, I know they haven't made a Final Four since 2015. Um, that I can guarantee you. Um, and then obviously, you, you know, you have a, a horrific loss last year in the first round of the NCAA tournament, a game you're absolutely supposed to win when, you know, you were one of the favorites to win the NCAA tournament. And then just a really rough start so far this season. Um and then we'll get into kind of the second piece of news here, and, and Graham will let you take it away, you know, before we get to that. But the Texas job is open. Texas has fired Chris Beard, um, and I think obviously we agree that that's the right thing to do. Um, and Graham, I'll let you, you know, kind of take it from here. But I, I personally was surprised by that, um, you know, just because I, I, I obviously I think it's the right thing to do. No, no doubt in my mind was you know firing Chris Beard the absolute right thing for Texas to do. But after the charges being dropped and things like that, it was just shocking to me to see that, you know, a college coach was actually kind of being, you know, having his feet held to the fire. So, um, again, glad to see that um, and, and interested to see what kind of the future looks like for Texas um, and their men's basketball program, obviously with a very um, star-studded team. But, Grandma, unless you take kind of those two um, headlines, you know, away from there, you know, you know whatever you – I think on both, but um, but obviously a, a lot of kind of big news items, you know, towards the end of end of last week. Yeah, uh, first with Kentucky, um, this is not a good position um, that Kentucky wants to be in right now. Um, they had a very like cupcake schedule. And then, like, just mixed in some, like, solid games here and there. But every time that they've played a formidable opponent, they've lost. You know, Michigan State early on, um, Gonzaga, they played Michigan and won by four points. Um, UCLA, Mizzou, um, Alabama, and now, like, when you play even bad teams, I mean, South South Carolina is not a good team by any margin at all. And South Carolina just rolled them, like just looked like the complete better team. Um, but I, I still think that Kentucky is in such a weird spot um, because Coach Cal is recruiting at an unbelievable level. Yeah, um, he's, got, he's got the number one class next year. Yeah, next year he has five four-star recruits. Or no, no. 
four five star yeah. recruits coming in and an additional four star. Yeah. Um, but at what point, like, do you realize that like maybe his style of play, his coaching philosophy, or whatever it might be, just isn't doing what it used to be able to do? Um, and I just think that Kentucky's like in a really hard spot because I. A lot of people are really against him, and a lot of Kentucky fans are calling for his head and thinking that change needs to happen. But I just think that it's kind of like a weird spot. Like, you can't fire Coach Cal. No, I mean, his buyout, his buyout let alone, kind of says that you can't. I mean, his buyout is $40 million. Yeah. Like, that That alone is enough reason to for Kentucky as a university and as a basketball program to really think long and hard about whether that's even in the cards. Um, but I guess what I was kind of hinting at with the Texas job being, you know, possibly open at the end of the season is, um, you know, I, I don't know that, and we can debate this, but I don't know that Kay is finding a better job in the near future that he could kind of, you know, step to the side for. I mean, and, you know, tell me if you think I'm wrong, but, but like looking at the top, you know, list of jobs... Obviously, Self's not leaving Kansas anytime soon. Duke just hired. UNC just hired. Arizona just hired. You know, I, I don't... UCLA, Mick Cronin's not leaving there. Maryland. Like, but I don't... Like, do you fall into Maryland? I mean, Maryland did just hire anyway. I think but, Maryland gets in that rep just because yeah. they've been good all time and they For have sure. a good recruiting area. For sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, outside of that, like, you're kind of looking at, you know... Like Villanova just hired, you know, like there's there's not going to be a ton of soon to be available positions, right? Like outside of maybe Syracuse, but like, you know that that ship is you know sinking fast up there. Unfortunately, like I love when Syracuse is good. Don't get me wrong, but you know Bayheim is taking that thing down with him. So um, it's just interesting. I think it's a. I, I am sure that the call has already been made. Um, you know, but then again, there's a lot. There's still a full, you know, half a season left. Um, and obviously, you know, Texas has an interim coach, Rodney Terry, taking over there. And like we always say, too, like, it's very hard for a interim coach, especially with a roster of the talent that Rodney Terry has, to not, you know, succeed and do well. And a lot of times if you do that, like, being the NCAA tournament win a game or win two games, if you're Rodney Terry, like, you probably have a job next year. You know, like, it, it would be difficult to not give it to him. Um, but at the same time, if you're going to go anywhere and you're going to go get a high-level coach and someone that recruits really well to a school that's so easily so easy to recruit to, like, Cal might be your guy, so. Uh, I, I don't know, like, at what point will um, Kentucky, like, give in and, you know, try to look elsewhere um, or encourage him to, like, kind of find other places. Um, and I think also, like, is Coach Cal in the market to be, like, to find somewhere else? Right, because, I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like, he could just retire. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it isn't like he's, like, a young guy. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he like I could very well see him just try to piece it together this year and maybe scrape a win or two in the tournament if you get there. Um, I, I don't know that they're getting there. I mean, this is really not good. And, and granted, they have the you know we talk about like 
they have the talent to beat Tennessee. And he's a good coach. No, exactly. I just, there's like a little bit of a disconnect, but I think if he's a good enough coach, he can kind of work something out. Um, And maybe he kind of just says, I'm out. I mean, kind of like Jay Wright, there's barely any suspicion that he would be done. And then he kind of was just like, so yeah. 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 Which, I mean, and good on him. You know, he's been, I don't know if you've seen any of him in the broadcast booth so far this season, but it's been, it's been pretty cool. Like he's, he's done a really good job. Um, and it's interesting to see him in a, in a new life. But yeah, totally agree. Um, and then the only other one that I kind of, you know, briefly thought about or discussed for the for the Texas job, and if you have any other names, feel free to throw them out. Dan Hurley, maybe. Like, I, you know, I know we kind of live in this Big East bubble. Um, but I, I think if he continues to do as well as he has um, with, you know, UConn and, and continues to bring them to a really high level. Obviously, they're on a you know little bit a uh, little bit of an up and down here to start the Big East. But um, you know if he continues to roll with that team, I, I don't know why you wouldn't make phone call. Yeah, I I think he ha- would have to have some success in the tournament. I would agree. Um, in order for them to look in that direction, um, I think last off season we saw a lot of mid-major programs that were turned around by good young coaches that have yeah. gotten great jobs. Uh, you know, a lot of schools in the SEC going with that younger route, um, taking like a fresh coach. Um, you know, Missouri and Florida and LSU. Mississippi State. Mississippi State all like kind of, instead of like going like after an associate head coach at a rival school, like getting right. a young proven guy um I, I'm gonna like I wonder who like are the next few guys that are gonna be on the radar for a lot of these power six schools I think the biggest one that comes to mind is uh, PK over in Charleston he's a former Xavier guy um associate head coach um played at Xavier back in the day in the late 90s um goes to Winthrop does an unbelievable job there. You know they made the tournament as like twenty seven and two or something obscene like that, and um, I think they ran into Purdue, a really good, really Purdue good Purdue team, team. Carson yeah. Edwards. Yeah, and that um, team ended up going pretty deep in the tournament that yeah. year. Um, Lost to Virginia in that thriller, right? Was yeah, it two or three overtimes. Um, and now he's at Charleston. He's done an unbelievable job. Charleston's one of the hottest teams in the country right now. I think that his name comes to mind. Um, you know, the only other two that I've got kind of on my short list, and, and I don't know the you know as as Texas and the pedigree that you hold yourself to, I don't think they even look this direction. But to, to keep in mind with what you were kind of saying, you know, mid major guys that might be on the round, on, you know, on the ups. <clears throat> Richard Patino, you know, obviously very early at New Mexico, but. At what point does he get a big school look again? Um, obviously, Minnesota didn't go smashingly, but that's also, I mean, that's a tough job. Like, you know, mm-hmm. even Tubby Smith, like one of the greatest coaches, you know, arguably to ever coach in college basketball, you know, he was okay there. Um, so, you know, at what point does, uh, does Richard Coutinho <coughs> get a look coming out of New Mexico? And the other one that I want to highlight, and, and this is an interesting one that I'm kind of surprised he hasn't 
gotten more run. Is <coughs> Darian DeVries over at Drake? He's taken them to, you know, multiple uh, Missouri Valley titles. He's a Creighton guy. He was under McDermott for a long time over there at Creighton. Um, so he's kind of proven himself, and I'm surprised to not see his name get a little more run um, just as a mid-major guy that, you know, has has some future potential. So um, we'll see what, what happens with those. Um, but, yeah, those are kind of the, the big takeaways. What's up? What about, like, um, like Kelvin Sampson? I don't like. Why would he ever leave Houston, though? It's kind of like Bruce Pearl Auburn, right? Like, yeah. you know, had a little bit of a troubled past. You know, they're both kind of settled in now. You're doing really well. Kind of in the later years, to be fair. I mean, like, at the same time. And, like, I, 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 Kelvin Sampson take a Texas job? I don't think so. It's just in the same way that I don't think, like, Scott Drew would take a Texas job. Like, <coughs> I mean, granted, it's interconference, but still. Especially when, like, when Kelvin Sampson, like, has already gotten, like, Houston to the point where it is, and they're going to go to the Big 12 next year, like, come on. Like, Samson, he doesn't want to leave that opportunity now. You know, so that's my big takeaway, um, you, you know, on that. Uh, and the other name that I saw thrown around, thrown around a little bit was Rick Pitino. Um, the other, the, you know, the older Pitino, obviously. Um, and I just don't. I mean, you just hire, you're, you just fired a coach for having, you know, personal life issues. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you could really go and hire Rick Pitino. Um, he's done. I mean, I think he's just kind of he likes riding coaching. out in Iona. Yeah, kind of like how Jim Calhoun went and coached in like Division three for three yeah. or four years. You know, just like a kind of side deal. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of. I think that's the complete list. I, the other one I saw, I guess the last one I'll wrap up with before I get out of here is, um, I saw some mention of like Jerome Tang, like if he continues to rocket at K-State, like, but I mean, it's also, it's only been a year and not to say that it can't happen. I think it's with small programs. Um, I think it takes so long to get to being like, <coughs> Like a uh, an auto bid at large bid, yeah. When you're a small school, like take San Francisco, like that was years in the making to be, not like last year, like a top sixty Ken Palm team being right. an auto bid, and I think when you make the tournament, it's like okay, you can do it, and like this is like the progress. If we give you a couple extra million dollars and a better recruiting pool and a better staff, right. like. Let's see what you can do. Yeah. And I think, like, I think, like, you're making the tournament when you're a young coach or at a mid-major is kind of like your magnum opus of, like, this is the culmination of everything I could do, right. which is, like, the hardest thing to do for a small school is make the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, not to say it's easy when you're a Power 6 school, but your resume can speak for yourself. You know, you could you have the opportunity to play really good competition now you have all these like home and away series and whatnot. Like, I mean, look at the position that Xavier's in. Like, they, three of the four best teams that they played in non conference, they lost to. Like, if, say, like Northern Kentucky did that, it doesn't matter what they did in regular season. If they don't win their conference tournament, they're not right. in. Like, that's just the way, like, everything is. So I think when you make the tournament such a big deal for small schools, that that's like the pinnacle of like your coaching ability. Yeah. And I think it only really takes one good year 
for like schools to be like, all right, he can do it. Well, and especially like if you're going to continue to use San Francisco as an example, like the, especially in a conference where like you're playing the WCC and like Gonzaga is all like they're not shooting. They've you know there's been years where they haven't won the WCC tournament, but like they're obviously very very highly favored to win. Um, the WCC tournament every year. So for San Francisco to come out like, you know, a month into the season, we're all kind of like, yeah, like this team's probably going to make the tournament, you know, regardless. So I agree. Definitely, a, a, you know, worth noting and a, and a good thing to look at as kind of an indicator um, for that coaching pool. So, all right, well, we'll get into the weekend recap. Um, I'll just kind of roll through it. There wasn't a ton of super notable games. Um, but yeah, I'll roll through it really quick, and then uh, we'll go from there. Last Thursday was actually a sneaky sack lineup, January 5th, last Thursday. Um, number one, Purdue, snuck away in uh, Value City Arena by 271-69. They won that game over Ohio State. Iowa um, beat Indiana at home, which you know at the time looked like a big win. Then Indiana went and lost to Northwestern um, later in the weekend, so... Who really knows what's going on with the Hoosiers? Um, but Iowa played a really solid game. Good, good on them getting that win. Um, UC, UCLA USC. I was like, oh, this might be a close game. Like, you know, it, it, it battle of LA, blah blah blah, whatever. You know, and then I look at the, I'm like watching the score ticker, and it's forty four to twenty six at halftime. So I'm like, all right, cool, check out. No, not gonna be a close game. UCLA scored sixteen points in the second half. I don't know what happened. I'm not gonna pretend I know what happened. I didn't watch the game, but. Worth noting that UCLA had a little bit of a scare there with USC, but snuck away with a two-point win. Gonzaga-San Francisco, this is a good one. San Francisco was up 10 and a half, um, and I was dialed in on this one. I was so excited to watch this game. Um, I stayed up the entire evening. It was a late-night game. Um, it was about midnight. Uh, it's, it was San Francisco was up two with like a minute to go in the game. I fell asleep. I missed the end of the game. Um, but I guess it, uh, you know, according to the score, uh, according to the scorebook, Gonzaga snuck away with a two point win. So um, I guess I'll take it at their word. Uh, but yeah, Gonzaga gets a good road win there um, against San Francisco, which again is a, a good team that you know could could maybe be a, a bid sealer come. <clears throat> excuse me, come March. Um, Saturday was an okay schedule. Um, Duke had fits with Boston College, but not really that surprised. I don't think they're an incredible team this year. Um, Mizzou snuck away from Bandy. That game was sneaky close, um, but also didn't catch that one. Um, again, we mentioned earlier, Alabama roll Kentucky. Illinois beat Wisconsin, but, like, again, what we're, kind of what we're saying earlier, like, with the Iowa-Indiana situation, um, you know, with some of the Purdue games and Ohio State and Maryland, like, I don't really know what's going on in the Big Ten. All I know is that Purdue's the best team. They're probably going to win the conference. Um, outside of that, I think Wisconsin's good, but who knows. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of what comes, you know, out of that, you know, as we really, you know, get into the kind of thick of, of conference play. Uh, Wisconsin plays Indiana this weekend. Should be a good matchup there. Iowa State beat T2 on the road. Great win for them. They need those key wins like that. Um, getting wins like that, especially after TCU just beat Baylor a couple days prior. Uh, big time went for the Cyclones there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Kansas State beat Baylor on the road in overtime. Kansas State goes back-to-back games beating Texas and Baylor on the road. Uh, and they shot into the AP rankings this week um, up to 11. Uh, so I think that's definitely something worth noting. I think Kansas State's on the rise. I think their first real 
you know, not to say that the Big 12 isn't, you know, a true test, but um, the Jayhawks, kind of the, the Wildcats bogeyman, come into Manhattan next Tuesday, a week from tonight, actually. Very excited to see that game. I think it's going to be super fun. Um, probably one of the best Sunflower showdowns, you know, by the numbers that we've had uh, in years. So going to be excited for that one. Uh, Auburn got a huge statement win against Arkansas. So good on the Tigers to take care of business there. Um, again, don't really know what to expect from Arkansas. Nick Smith sounds like he's out for the season, probably. Um, I don't know. They're still just kind of saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, he may or may not play. You know, he's out indefinitely, whatever. But at this point, you know, if you're Nick Smith and you're, you know, your agents are telling you that you're still going to be a top 10, 15 guy, you're still going to be a lottery pick in the NBA draft, I don't really know why you would, you know, risk trying to push it um, top out there on the floor. So, again, we'll see. Nick Smith probably out for the year. Um, Auburn gets a big-time statement win there. Uh, New Mexico, back-to-back losses. Womp womp. Kind of stinks. Uh, I was hoping for a little bit more out of Lobos, especially in a wide-out, most-attended game at the pit since 2009 on Saturday night. Uh, but UNLV comes in and spoils the party. 84-77 win um, for the running Rebs. Um, and, yeah, so that kind of wraps out Saturday. Um, Sunday again, more weird uh, Big Ten matchups and, and final scores. Um, already mentioned both of those. Uh, and that gets us into to tonight's slate, um, which overall, nothing too crazy. Um, Michigan State beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. I, again, like, don't really know what to expect and what's going on in the Big Ten right now. Iowa State gets a big win at home against Texas Tech. Um, K State. Uh, finished the game on a 9-2 run to beat Oklahoma State at home. Um, <clears throat> Virginia closed out North Carolina in the second half. Um, uh, oh, I'm looking at Baycott. Uh, Armani Baycott went down uh, in the first few minutes of the game tonight for North Carolina. Not a good sign for a kind of flailing North Carolina team as we enter conference play. Um, so you hate to see that. Uh, Tennessee grinded out a win after being down at halftime to Vanderbilt. And then the final result of the night, um, Kansas uh, ended on, I mean, Graham and I watched it. It was such a weird, like, Hawks were down 10 with, like, two and a half minutes to go, and they came back and won 79-75. Such a weird game, um, a really long game at that. Um, a lot of fouls called. Uh, but Kansas ekes out another great comeback win against another Oklahoma school at home. Um, so, yeah, t- take – I said I was going to do the weekend, but – yeah, that's, the, that's kind of the big stuff. Um, not a whole lot more to say. Just worth noting kind of those results. Um, but, yeah, you know, looking forward to the, to the you know, later in the week of the weekend. Graham, what's highlighted on your schedule looking forward to uh, tomorrow and the weekend ahead and, and college games? Yeah, we were talking about Wednesday with uh, the Xavier game um, that there's a lot of great basketball uh, being played tomorrow night. Um, Alabama and Arkansas. Uh, Alabama looks really good right now. Arkansas has kind of struggled, dropped a few games. Um, but then, you know, Bud Walton Arena and Arkansas, they get to host. Um, number four ranked Alabama. That's going to be a great game to watch. UConn-Marquette. Um, UConn's trying to get, you know, their feet back to where they were after dropping two games of Providence and Xavier. Marquette's ranked. Um and really, you know, trying to get some forward momentum. I mean, Marquette has a great opportunity um, to play UConn and Xavier, the two highest-ranked teams in the Big East right now in the AP poll. 
Um, this young, fiery Marquette team is going to be looking for a big statement win. So that will be a great game to watch. Charleston, we talked a little bit about earlier with Coach PK. Um, they're 4-0 in conference play, and they play UNC Wilmington, who's also 4-0. Um, that should be a tight game uh, as Charleston travels on the road. Pittsburgh, red hot. Uh, sadly, they weren't ranked. Um, I would have loved to see uh, them get ranked over Marquette last week. I think that Marquette just got ranked for um, Fox TV rights. Um, I think if they can attach the small to, small 25 to Marquette's name, they can make the UConn and Xavier games that much more exciting. Mizzou and Texas A&M getting together. Um, Mizzou and Texas A&M are kind of fighting for uh, are we good or not um, and are we great or not right now in the SEC. So that will be a great matchup. And then to end the night, uh, TCU and Texas, um, both 2-1 in the Big 12, both tournament hopefuls. Um, trying to make a splash. That'll be a very, very exciting game. On Thursday, um, got two late night 11 p.m. games in the yeah. Pac-12. Uh, Utah, UCLA, and Arizona, uh, Oregon State. Arizona looking to bounce back. They took their a pretty rough loss. Which is to so Wazoo. weird. Um, so weird. Arizona was my number one team in the country apart from the Utah game. And... Um, they took a really confusing loss, and so now they're looking to bounce back against a struggling Oregon State team. Um, and then, you know, we just talked about Utah. Utah's 5-1 and one, uh, in conference play right now. Yeah, they have baby. an excellent opportunity to go to the Pavilion and play UCLA, who's undefeated after a very sneaky win against USC. Gonzaga, every time that they make a deep tournament run, they sign another Nike deal and get on national television in April. The rest of the WCC just gets to get better with a bigger budget, um, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, BYU, they have to go on the road um, to the Marriott Center. Um, what? Yeah. Yeah, the Marriott Center. They play in a hotel. <coughs> Hold on. No, that's, at, no that's, that's BYU's home arena. Yeah. Marriott. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said BYU had to go on the road. I was like, no, what? No, on the road to BYU, the Marriott Center. Um, Let me look at this thing. Yeah. Uh, we watched the... Um, oh, that's a last name. That's not a name, right? Ah, oh, shoot. God, I wish. Uh, we watched the uh, Santa Clara uh, Gonzaga game. Santa Clara looked really good. God, we wanted the Broncos so bad. They looked really good. Um, but then, you know... They just ran out of steam, and Gonzaga was a better team for away. But, again, um, a lot of great um, opportunities for Gonzaga to get some good tests as the rest of the conference is slowly getting better. Um, and, you know, on, on to the weekend, Kentucky really looking for a big win. What better opportunity to play? How confusing would it be if they beat Tennessee on the road, dude? I would just lose my mind. Yeah, and Saturday is absolutely unbelievable again. Kansas State TCU, Providence at Creighton. Um, Wisconsin, Indiana should be good. Iowa State, Kansas. Um, New Mexico, San Diego State, the nightcap? Come on. There's plenty, plenty of good games coming up. Um, but the only two games that I seem 
to be able to focus on right now is the 12 ranked Xavier Musketeers um, hosting, um, I think, a very underrated um, Creighton team that's been kind of written off. Struggled with some injuries. They had one of the hardest non-conference schedules in all of basketball. It's pretty fitting to see how they uh, would drop a few games early. Um, I think they're right above 500 right now, but I don't think that their talent or, no. or their ability is an above 500 team. I think this is one of the best teams in the country when they are pieced everything together. Well, and that's and that's what I'm having a hard time with. Like, I, I just I don't know what's going on because. I agree with you. Like, I think the pieces are there. This is a talented Creighton team, and I'm kind of just, like, waiting to see it. Like, I just feel like I haven't really – excuse me, outside of Maui this year, like, I haven't really seen them um, bring it this year. And so I'm, I'm excited to see what tomorrow night brings because, you know, I think our guys are ready. Like, they're, they're very focused and very locked in. But I think Creighton's going to bring it a little more than some people think, so – yeah, I think that this is an excellent opportunity um, to show um, what we can be. I think that the, this week is almost season-defining. Um, totally, totally. Like, did we These are two of the most important games on our schedule. Yeah, did, are we just a solid team? Because like, we could go right back to where we were a few weeks ago of like, oh, yeah, that's a good team, make the tournament, maybe get a win. Um when you're, you know, five and two in the Big East, and then you kind of have to go to at DePaul, and you need a win for momentum and whatever, right. and we kind of just fall back to where um, a lot of Xavier fans have kind of been comfortable in the last couple of years. Or you come out playing two very solid, hungry teams. You're seven and zero um, going into the second half of your conference season. I just think that. These two games are season-defining, um, would bolster our resume, shoot us up in the AP pool, and the buzz around this team would be higher than any current Xavier student has ever been able to witness. Um, and I think that there's a lot of upside for the Musketeers right now, and it all starts uh, when Creighton comes to town uh, on Wednesday. Couldn't agree more, and I think that, you know, agreed with your comment earlier about, you know, the TV money and get and, you know get Marquette that little twenty five just to help with the you know with that whole with that whole deal. But I've been harping this since the schedule came out. That game is we're right before the NFL playoffs on Sunday, which is awesome. Noon slot, like great setup for us. Um, obviously, Santos gonna be rocking. People are gonna be ready ready to go. Afternoon game. The Bengals play Sunday night in the playoffs. Like I just think it's gonna be a great day for Cincinnati and for Xavier kind of as a whole. Very excited to see. Um, you know what the Musketeers bring in these next two games, but again, um, totally agree. I think these these next two games, and, and we've said kind of from the beginning that you know this next stretch really you know could define our season. That being UConn, Nova. Halfway through that, we got Marquette and Creighton, or Creighton and Marquette respectively. Um, you know on the on the docket coming up next. So, you know, we're, we're almost through the the really difficult stretch, and uh, you know almost to the point of like, oh hey, this team is legit, legit. So. Can't wait to see what, what happens. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us tonight um, on another great episode of Normal Podcast. Uh, it's it's Tuesday. Well, it's now Wednesday, January 11th. Um, I'll get this uploaded tomorrow morning, so you all will have it to listen to preview the Creighton game. Um, and, of course, Marquette coming up this weekend, and then we'll get caught up with you um, next 
sometime in the middle of the week next week. Got a lot going on. Uh, Graham and I are headed up to Dayton on Tuesday. We go see uh, his Wildcats play at UD Arena. Um, and then we got uh, you know road game to Paul that Wednesday. Um, Kansas plays Kansas State that Tuesday. Just a lot going on. But we'll definitely get you um, an episode, kind of a recap. You know, gather ourselves, all that good stuff. Um, next week, kind of middle of the week. But anywho, uh, thank you all so much for listening. So glad to be back here in person, and we'll catch you all soon. Cheers.